welcome to the Kalo Cast, a weekly show here at the Coliseum hosted by myself, Mr. Aquaman, and the man over there, Flashy. What's going on, Flashy? What is going on, Aquaman? Super excited to be here, as we always are. Listen, our guests are starting to ramp up, man, because their audio, I don't understand. Out of nowhere, all of our guests just have the most crisp audio, and that's literally all I can think about as we were talking to our guests today before we got on the call. But bring them in so that people can hear the story and the audio. Please, let's get this conversation started. Bring this on one in. is long overdue, long friend of mine in the community, one of the best to ever do it. He has been a host of some of the biggest events in our entire history, some of the biggest events in gaming history uh he's a host he's a producer he's a commentator he's an entertainer he's a pretty decent looking guy it's gonna be none other than mr joshua gray welcome josh <laughs> i knew the looks were coming i love it though thank you very much and thanks to my parents it's that's all in their hands but and moisturizing that helps as well yeah um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. Mr. Aquaman, you know, you and I go way back. Thank you for being on my podcast and flashy. It's a pleasure. I've enjoyed previous episodes that y'all have done. Thank you. And you know, in, in this current space, Aquaman and I, you and I have really stayed in touch throughout this, uh, mm -hmm. crazy world, even before the pandemic. But if anything in the current landscape, I am so proud of you and others that have continued to not only, you know, plant their flag in the space, but to create something that the audience loves and that the players love. And you can't buy that with money. It takes hard work and ingenuity. So kudos to you and kudos to Flashy and others that continue strong in this space until we can all get back together, play some gosh darn fighting games together to figure out who's the best and then party like it's 1999 because we all need it. It's in our souls, but it's a pleasure to be with you all today. Thank Dude, you so I much for coming I am so on. fired up after hearing that. Yeah. Holy shit, are you kidding me? <laughs> that was amazing. Let's, let's go back to the beginning where I'm looking at your YouTube channel. You started mm. uploading 11 years ago, my friend. Mm -hmm. And 11 years ago, you were uploading vlog style content and you were doing StarCraft II. How did all of this begin? That's right. So as a kid growing up playing video games in the Seattle area, there was a lot of people that played StarCraft Brood War, and I played that a lot as a kid. And I also met with people at local Landsiders and overnights to, to play and to compete in some tournaments. I got my butt kicked, but it was a lot of fun. Also got to meet people online. There was a family that I got to meet. They were really cool. They lived in Squim. Out of all the places I could have met somebody that played StarCraft, they lived in Squim, Washington, like a two, two and a half hour drive. Met them in person, hung out, just created real good friendships through video games, you know, as a kid. And that started to lead into more and more potential events, knowing that StarCraft II was coming, one of the biggest, most anticipated games mm -hmm. in my lifetime. And knowing the history of StarCraft Brood War, I mean, there were official leagues in Korea that were televised in Korea for StarCraft Brood War. I mean, we knew it was this wave was coming. And this was before YouTube. This was before Twitch. This was before live streaming. We just knew of it because people had video footage from the television stations in Korea. And then others would provide that footage on forums like Team Liquid. So with this space, you had Quake and other... Uh, other competitive titles that I knew of that I had watched or seen, but I hadn't really like participated in either as a player or a producer or a commentator. But in 2010, when StarCraft II came out, Major League Gaming was hosting an event in Raleigh, North Carolina, which was the next state over. I was in Virginia at the time. 
Myself, my buddy Dave, and our other buddy Lee went to the event. I tried to get a competitor ticket. They sold out in 26 seconds. My buddy Dave did get a ticket. He did fall to Kiwikaki, but Dave and I continued our relationship with MLG because when we arrived, we look around and thought, all right, everybody here looks like they're under 16. They must be Halo players. Let's look for somebody who has a driver's license here. And then we were able to actually meet some of the staff members of MLG. Halo was huge at that time with MLG. Oh, yeah. And this was a, a time that some of the people from the Got Frag era, which is a website that covered a lot of Counter-Strike stuff, were looking at StarCraft II as the next big thing. They had been doing some World of Warcraft arenas. Hey, fun for the players and people that love the game. Not all that fun to watch. Yeah. So when StarCraft II dropped in Rally, it was there. And you can see me on camera behind Kiwi Kaki and others that were playing um, just being a part of the event, but also did a vlog, recorded video, did interviews, just met people and tried to see, okay, what are my skills and talents, which was acting, being a performer, and I was about ready to jump into my junior year of uh, college for acting. How can I bring that to the space of video games well, presenting, producing, storytelling, really? And if I'm not the one that can bring the story out, I can help others bring that story out, either working with other commentators or players themselves. Fast forward, a couple months later, we start to do League of Legends, the first ever League of Legends tournament in North America. Guess who's the host? This guy. So they threw me in front of the camera as the host for the first time. Before then, I had been working with Major League Gaming as a cameraman and behind the scenes mm. and just getting to know the team because they had all the talent they needed for, for uh, League of Legends and StarCraft II. They actually asked me to commentate League of Legends, and I said, I'm very flattered. I'd love to, but I know there's other better commentators out there. Let's get them. And sometimes I think about if my life would be totally different if I had said yes and just was more in the League of Legends world. But honestly, as a producer, I made the best decision in the moment at the time, which was best for the show, not for my own career, for my ego, what was best for the yeah. show. And I reflect on that sometimes ago. I know I made the right decision because it allowed me take that integrity of it's not about me. It's about what, what's best for the show and to operate that in all future shows that I've been a part of. So... Those were the MLG days, had some fun with them, did an internship with them, graduated from college, and I had two job offers. One was to go to MLG in New York, or the other was NASL, which was a company that was doing their own thing, and we had just done an event out of Toronto, Canada. They had offered me a minimum wage position, okay? I have just graduated with my college degree, summa cum laude. Like, I busted my butt to get high grades in college because this is what my passion was. And what was offered to me as an artist right after? A minimum wage job. But yep. I knew this was the way for me. This was the next step for me, for sure, to work with like-minded professionals and to work in a studio space where I could just work every day, both in front and behind the camera. Money was tight. I had some roommates, still friends to this day, but it was tough because I pretty much packed everything that I owned in a car and moved all the way out to California and arrived that day and started to switch on the audio port and the video port like as soon as I arrived, it was, it was crazy. But that type of crazy environment allowed us to kind of flourish create, uh, creatively, try different, different things, and also to really navigate the crazy waters that is the corporate environment that owns the IP titles, right? Hey, Blizzard, I love you, but not all that great to work with, bit of a nightmare, uh, you know, so, Having the passion to continue to work with StarCraft II, and then we secured a contract for World of Tanks, and that's what brought in the money that allowed me to have a salary that was a living wage in California, and to have an apartment for the first time, you know, in Rancho Cucamonga, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, out there in the Inland Empire in the suburb, but still enough money for me to stand on my own two feet. And know that, okay, now I'm starting to make a career where money is coming in for my output of what I'm doing in the video game and performance space. Now I'm getting that traction. 
And with that traction, we saw a lot of great success with World of Tanks and really just trying to nail down what it is to put together a real tight show. I mean, we were timing 10 minute uh, uh, pregame shows to the minute and working with really good directors and others that, again, were super passionate in the space. We're coming up coming kind of from a, not an amateur, but they had worked on some shows, but now they really wanted to find their footing. So an amazing mix of all these talented people that I'm still friends with today. But unfortunately, with uh, NASL, didn't work out, but ESL America was coming in. They were going to take over the World of Tanks contract, and eventually they took over StarCraft as well. So a lot of kind of the who's who of the NASL team went over to ESL America. I think I was employee like number four or five total. Wow. And we expanded very, very quickly. We were working with StarCraft II and World of Tanks. Those are the two main games that was bringing in the dough. But World of Tanks, uh, one of my greatest acting roles of all time was to pretend to be so enthusiastic about that game. I knew years. it was going there. I knew it was going to get there eventually. Yep, yep, yep. And the award oh, goes man. to. Uh, but honestly, it was because the wargaming staff were so cool and the community was so cool that even though the game wasn't my passion project, putting together a great show was. Mm -hmm. And I took a lot of those lessons that I learned and the skilled and talented people that we had worked with as a team. And I had a very rare opportunity to one host for Warner Brothers for Gauntlet, which was a uh, retro game that was coming out. Two, to talk to some of the people at Warner Brothers. Again, Warner Brothers, the studio that is behind some of the greatest pieces of media of all time. And we're talking film, you know, Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, Blade Runner. I mean, you just look at the look list at of all these... Look at it. Just look at impactful it. Impactful pieces of art. And I think, okay, well, how can I add what I think is right to this list? And it wasn't like externally trying to find the right answer or impress the right person. I was talking to somebody that was part of the marketing team and we were in the parking lot for ESL America. And before he said these words, I knew he was going to say it. It's like the universe stopped. And he said, you know, we're really excited because we have some ideas for Mortal Kombat. And I jumped into the air and I said, I have so many ideas. Let's talk. And that was with a gentleman named Jeremiah. And that continued with uh, Bonka Lim and other people that were working at the Warner Brothers game side. And then I flew out to Chicago to pitch our idea to NetherRealm. Wow. Right. There, there was no real online leagues for fighting games yep. because, you know, with servers and netcode, stuff like that. It was a bit of a nightmare back in the day. But we put together the pitch and we went with Xbox first because Xbox just had better servers online um, at that time compared to PlayStation. But now things have changed for sure. So much has changed. Um, but we were on Xbox, so I got to work with the Xbox team as well. But just pitching these ideas and being on the ninth level of this Warner Brothers high-rise executive place and talking to these executives and feeling 100% confident of what I'm talking about. Because I knew at the end of the day, this was actual video game competition that I wanted to watch as a fan. Mm -hmm. How do yep. we build that for the audience and still take care of the players and work with the players so they understand that you are characters, you are personalities, you need to bring that 11 or, you know, volume 12 here and to yep. work with those personalities and be like, you mean like wrestling? Like, yes, like wrestling, be the yes. rock. And to see that come out uh, and to be instrumental in that was really cool because it felt like I was taking everything I learned from a performer from a very young age, what I'd gone to school for, and then instilling that in others to try to put together the best show possible. So pitched the Mortal Kombat X Pro League along with a number of talented people, put that together. And I think over 
if you calculate all the money that went into the entire international event, so you had us in America, you had the twins locking down UK, we had um, extensions into uh, Oceania, like we tried to really, uh, we had Russia, we, we tried to incorporate as many regions as we could with the budget that we had. And if you look at kind of the overall budget that we had that I was able to calculate, we're looking at like two and a half to $3 million that paid for multiple seasons, at least four seasons. And within that amount of time, I mean, umpteenth millions and millions, maybe close to billion views on the mm -hmm. VODs and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. You know, this is six, seven years ago. Still, and we get Josh, to meet somebody quick, named. Real yeah. quick, to this day, before I forget, that Fatal Eight first event, the very first event that you guys dropped, is still, I think, one of the most watched events ever. Yep. Ever. It has like, the number one view count on, on competitive Mortal Kombat on YouTube. That so set the bar. That set were, the bar. When you were pitching to NetherRealm, was this was MKX already out? Was MKX on like the marketing rollout to be released, or was this Mortal Kombat Nine? Or like, at what point in the timeline of all this were you in that ninth floor pitching these to these people? Mortal Kombat X was announced, um, okay. at least that I had known of. Um, but with MK9 and Injustice, we already knew that NetherRealm was in a good spot. Mm -hmm. And so with Warner Brothers really wanting to take this to the next level, they were looking at that, okay, we have a marketing budget or we have a budget where we could build a tournament. We're seeing all this success happening for PC titles, um, you know, League, StarCraft, Counter-Strike. How can we tap into that? And I'd have to explain to them like, hey, just because people play and watch Call of Duty doesn't mean they're gonna play and watch Mortal Kombat. You cannot create any type of expectation, KPI or what have you, thinking like, oh, because they're on Twitch, they're all gonna gravitate to this game. No, the gaming environment, the gaming space is as fractured as any other sport. When I talk to people like, do you like sports? But like, I don't assume that they like all sports, maybe nice. baseball, mm -hmm. basketball, basketball, football, soccer. They're all different, all with their own rule sets and fans and franchises. And to try to keep tabs in on one sport is, you know, a full-time job for a lot of people or a full-time hobby. So even at ESL America, we were juggling all these different shows and all these different uh, events. There definitely was a burnout where there was this idea of like, we're just trying to capture all these views, 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 views. And I go, I'd rather make something that I'm proud of. And if it doesn't get as many views as Counter-Strike or League of Legends, then that should be okay. What are you all telling these investors? And it just became this investor class mm -hmm. battle between the people that are in the trenches that are actually doing the work and making the art compared to the aloof class that just invested all this money and now they wanna know where their return is because they're looking at graphs made by some third-party aggregate sourcing news endeavor that's like, look at all these views of people watching esports. Like, please. Stop. This is nonsense. It has to be divided up amongst the different uh, ecosystems of the games, as does all broadcast television do with dramas and comedies and thrillers and sports. So just having those type of talks with people and try to explain to them, why do you think this is different compared to any other broadcast? Because it's humans that watch it. Why do you think that human nature is going to be different all of a sudden because of video games? It's not. The only real big difference is the technology, the distribution method. I can turn on a button and I can stream live for one, two, three, four, five, seven hours, right? There's no OSHA compliance I have to follow. There's no union saying that I have to take a break every four hours and eat, which is the standard uh, if you're part of any show. But it was because of that, this new entrance of technology and broadcast technology, that it threw out so much of the 
ancient wisdom of the middle people that are the agents, the contractors, all these different uh, endeavors that are set up, these entities that are set up in between the artists and the studios that have the money. So it shook everything up. People definitely were trying to like, you know, grab and make money. I mean, look at look at Overwatch, right? All of us that worked in the space were like, don't do it. Nothing is worth a $30 million investment. Nothing Crazy, in yeah. this space is, unless you're building your own game. And we just saw, you know, that start to fall apart after a while. And it was just very frustrating and annoying because you would see so many snake oil salespeople get rich or at least make a commission off of it. And I'm like, I could not in good mm. conscience sit in that room and tell those things to those investors because it's not true. It's not true. And I would uh, say that with hopefully, fingers crossed, coming out of this pandemic, it has kind of shown what really are the watching habits of humans. Look at Mixer. I was working with Microsoft and Mixer about three years ago for an E3 show that was one of my favorite events that we did at E3 ever. But because the numbers weren't there, there was no reason to keep Mixer going. So they had to cut it. They had to you know, make that choice, which is a tough choice because it's a lot of investment, but you cannot, the market tells you what the market wants <laughs> at yeah. the end of the day. And the market loves to watch the different games that people are passionate about. And if people that are watching Mortal Kombat on Twitch, if it factors between 500 to 5,000, that to me is great. And if you try to compare that to League of Legends or another PC title, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. So that that was a tough world to try to navigate through because I got so tired of being just overworked in too many projects and chasing these numbers and pushing out as much content as possible that I told ESL America, I'm good, still have a good relationship, but I'm going to leave the company. I'm going to start my own production company and I'm going to move up to Seattle because I'm tired of LA, I'm tired of the smog, and I want to live in a place that has water. So in about a 10-year career period of starting out bringing my suit jacket and hosting for league of legends for mlg all the way to the point that i said no to the best possible salary i could have had at the time to start my own company and learn how to bartend that was quite an amazing experience but also it was tough because it felt like i'm resetting again i have to you know i'm moving again what am i doing i'm doing what i feel is right and at the end of the day that's what allows me to continue what I'm doing now, but also to take risks because, you know, it feels like, well, I'd love to do this, but I don't have the budget for it. But what can I do? I can, I can budget some of my own money. I can maybe find a sponsor yep. and I can put something together to prove the method, like the 420 Digifest that I did last year that Aquaman was a huge part of. So overall, in summation of this crazy experience that I've had, I've met such wonderful people. I have been on television, broadcast television. Oh, I don't know, umpteen times. I've done over a hundred shows, either produced, commentated, or hosted in the video game space. And it further distills every human loves a good story. The biggest difference with video games is that you don't see the human, you don't see the human, um, the body language compared to traditional yes. sports, right? When you see the body language, even if you don't play the sport, you understand that person is running, they're hurt, or this or that, you know what's going on just intuitively. That doesn't exist in esports. That doesn't exist in video game competition unless you have a camera, you know, right there on the player with the hand movement and stuff. It exists in the game. And then the expression happens right after the match, which is awesome. That's why I love the fighting game community. And I love to watch them more than any other communities because of the personality they bring. And it's really a 1v1 uh, series. Mm -hmm. But because there is that obstacle of not having that um, body language to be seen all the time, a, a, a generic audience is not going to connect to it. 
Yeah. You have to either play the game or have some sort of appreciation for you know what's happening on screen. And if you don't, you're not going to connect to it. And again, that's why fighting games translate better on screen than any other video game title, because my parents can watch it and know exactly what's happening every second. If they try to watch Dota, forget it. Yeah, they're the, they're going to be completely That guy is lost. fighting that guy, and that's their health. Got it. It's really <laughs> simple, it. and they're beating the crap yep. out yeah. of each other. Not not what what the heck was just someone out of the ground that had four billion little bugs chasing the other guy, and that was one <laughs> click of the four thousand clicks he did in the in the sixty seconds I just watched. Much easier yeah, last year's, fighting games. Uh, real quick, moved up to Seattle, worked with at Microsoft for a bit, learned how to bartend, and then built up my own studio, built up my own channel, started to stream at least four days, four hours per day, per week, and was building just a healthy following where I felt, you know, money's tight, we're in the middle of a pandemic, or the beginning of a pandemic, but at least I feel like I'm doing something. Not just sitting on my hands and twiddling my thumbs. As an artist, it feels like I'm at least doing something. If I'm not writing a script, then I could be streaming a video game or having a meeting with a composer. At least I'm trying to do something. And that put me in a really good mindset to when I did get the call from my friend at Microsoft, who I had worked with, with on the Mixer show and uh, who I had worked with back in my MLG days since day one. I'm talking about Lennox, one of the best guys out there. Uh, for him to give me a call and be like, hey, I want you to apply to this job. Here's what, here's what we want to do. We want to put together this streaming team, this stream team, this Xbox Plays team, and stream games during the day and create a healthy, vibrant community for Xbox on Twitch and maybe other platforms in the future. And, you know, when I had just wrapped up my show, it was the 420 Digifest, right? You know, it's cannabis. <laughs> it's one of the first ever <laughs> cannabis-sponsored events ever. And I called it Warner Brothers ahead of time. It was an amazing event, by the way. Amazing yes. event, Josh. Thank you very much. I hope to replicate it here uh, next year, just depending on timing and stuff. Um, if we can get together as a group in person, great. But if we do it all digitally, that's fine too. Either way, I was so proud of that show and the amount of money and time that I invested in. There was a press, an official press release. It's still on Yahoo News. If you, if you search 420 Digifest, it'll pop up as the first in the search. And I took this as serious as I could to take a step outside of my normal bounds and go, how can I incorporate other media entities to bring this in? And it's the only cannabis sponsored video game event that I know of um, in the United States um, independently. I know Wiz, Wiz Khalifa has a bunch of stuff that he, he and his team are doing, which is awesome. But it's those small steps that takes a risk that allows you to go, you know what, I did that, I can point to it and you can have others that ask you, what did you do this year? Boom, I did that. During my talks with Microsoft and the interview process, and I'll wrap up here with, because this is going into modern day of what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I feel so ancient sometimes. The, the interview process with Microsoft, I kind of channeled that same energy as Morgan Freeman at the end of Shawshank Redemption. Now for context, he's being interviewed to go on parole and he's always told them what they want to hear. He's, he's right. always told them what they think they want to hear. Well, now here at the end, he just tells them pretty much the truth, just sort the of straight, no BS truth. And these interview questions that I had with the executives over at Xbox, it, it just was the same thing. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna BS you. I'm gonna say people like this game, they like that game. They're not all gonna like the same game. But one of my favorite things that I said that I think really kind of piqued their interest is I said, authenticity is what people crave the most out of any type of art. And we can bring that authenticity because I've grown up playing video games and producing events for a very long time. And the audience is our boss. At the end of the day, the audience will tell us what they like and what they don't like. 
And it's sometimes up to us to tell them or show them what they like because maybe they've never seen it before. But that type of authenticity, I feel, is what allowed me to secure that contract. And I have a great relationship with Xbox. Contract's been renewed uh, for another six months to continue hosting and producing for them. To, to just feel a place in my life and in my career where I don't have to stand up and, and tap dance and try to impress everybody. Mm -hmm. Go, listen, I've done it. I know it. The best idea wins no matter who it comes from. And that, that to me is one of the best, I think, things that I've, I've taken from my entire experience. So today I'm streaming twitch.tv slash Xbox, Monday through Friday. Sometimes we have some fun events on the weekend, uh, but we're all just getting really excited for Halo Infinite, which is around the corner. I, yeah, um, I was in a, I was going to bring the conversation that. to Halo Infinite. I think it would be the first time that I get to talk about it on this show. It's always Mortal Kombat yeah. and Justice, but I want to talk about Halo. But before we get there, one thing that I'm noticing throughout your career and what you're talking about is you seem to bring the human element to a lot of this. And... I know that like when you have those conversations with those executives and they're looking at graphs and numbers and even now just a, a regular content creator just gets lost in numbers and forgets that all of those numbers is a human being behind a screen. Your one or two subscribers that you got today, that's two human beings behind a screen. And it's really easy to get lost in those numbers. And I think it's absolutely awesome that you just bring the human element forward. And that that definitely speaks to a lot of your success because you know, you you take risks by being like, Oh, I'm, I'm missing out on money here. I could have made more money here, but you're like, no, like I'm a human being and I want to, and even at the very beginning, you were talking about like, it's always important what the audience wants, what's good for the players and stuff like that. And it's, it never was about the numbers that it brings in or your brand or anything like that. Really. It was always just, what do the people want? What do they enjoy? And you're putting the people first. That means you're putting humans first. I think that's absolutely awesome, man. I think that's a lesson learned for anybody in this space, player, commentator, creator, doesn't matter. We're all human beings behind a screen, man. Like there's a human being there and it's really important to remember that. And now something I'm interested in, as you just mentioned, and for those that don't know, you do stream live on the Xbox channel. So that is not a Mr. Joshua Gray channel. You are streaming for an entity. The official extremely, Xbox yeah, channel. I'm, I'm very curious. How is that different from streaming, say, on a personal channel? Do you notice any differences or any challenges or does it feel pretty much the same? Yeah, the... You know, I'm performing. <laughs> so the performance in comparison to doing it on my own channel versus one of the, the second largest company in the world, if not the largest occasionally with Microsoft and then, you know, Xbox being one of their divisions, it, it puts a mantle on your shoulders of like, this is a bigger responsibility outside of yourself. People mm. are counting on you, fans of Xbox, staff members of Xbox. So you better mm. represent them in a good Loyal light. fans too. Yeah, very loyal oh, yeah. fans, fans that I that I treasure as well because I have plenty of amazing memories playing on Xbox and still do. I bought yep. my brother an Xbox yeah, Series S so that we can play together as soon as uh, he's ready. I mean, he just had a baby <laughs> with his wife, so that was my gift, my gift to him and to them. Really, be like, yo, you need some man cave time. Here's the time, and then uh, when Annie is a little bit older, she'll get a controller and then start to learn how to play. Right, but there is that mantle. Um, and I do have a producer and a studio manager, and I work with them putting together the shows. I'll stream either from home, from my home studio, with the, the graphics package that they sent me, or I'll go to the studio in Redmond and stream from there, playing awesome. from there. And it's, it's great to have that system in place, a core group of people in place to support you as well. I have a great co-host, uh, The Mav Show. She's absolutely wonderful. She has streamed on her own for the last like seven years, made an amazing career out of it. And she has given me a lot of great insight and also commiseration of just how brutal this space can be. 
and it's, as an independent creator, but when you can have kind of a safety net or at least to lean up against mm -hmm. Xbox a little bit, it's nice. There is always the difficulty, you know, grass is always green on the other side. There's the difficulty of bureaucracy and things taking a bit longer, or a lot of things moving at once and emails and stuff like that. That doesn't affect me as much of the day-to-day -day stuff. It's just more in the planning and trying to trying to accommodate people's requests. And you know, this this developer can make the interview, but only at this time. Can we move this? Yeah, sure. But being part of that group to put together the best schedule we can and the best shows we can is awesome. And I treasure that I'm able to you know, post segments from VODs and try to build up my TikTok and, and social media based on those moments when I am streaming with Xbox. That's awesome, yeah. Um, the only, I would say, major difference when I stream on my own channel occasionally compared to Xbox is I think I'm just a little more relaxed <laughs> on my own channel. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, the, but I feel like there's a bleed over effect where I have gotten so much better at streaming. Because yes. when you're so engaged in playing, you'll forget to talk or not check in with chat. But doing that professionally with Xbox and having regulars that come into chat, it feels like I've created a digital space that the only thing we're missing is me slinging drinks, but everybody's having a good time and I'm the host. So to, to navigate that in a digital space, but to still use the same human emotions, strengths, um, phrases, you know, and responses, it's it's a tool set and it takes time to develop, but interacting with chat, having a great time with chat, and also having access to games before they come out is pretty cool as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's wonderful. And I, I really, really, really do like working with the people at Xbox. I feel Phil Spencer really turned the attitude around compared to uh, about 10 years ago, just with like, oh, it's always online, all this other mm -hmm. controversy that had happened. Um, and the Kinect was great, but it's like, is it really going to take over or do we prefer controller? Just you saw the experimentation and then Xbox pivoted and said, you know what? Let's get back to what the core of Xbox is. Great games and great service for our players. Boom. Xbox Game Pass. The best Oof. value in gaming where you can spend, you know, 11 to 15 bucks depending on which version you want. And you have access to games not only on Xbox, but also on PC. So a lot of these changes and decisions that Xbox has been making, I'm so on board with. I do have to check my bias, uh, but I wouldn't have taken this job if I didn't feel comfortable in the leadership that Phil Spencer and others provide in the space for the hardware and for the software. So yeah, it's a good feeling, but I I haven't given up you know my own channel, my own stuff. Like I said, I'm trying to put together another event uh, this upcoming uh, April, but I do feel drained if I do try to do both because yeah. I'm on camera from 90 minutes to three hours, sometimes longer for Xbox. And again, as an actor who grew up one day thinking I'll be on stage acting in front of people for 90 minutes a night, it's that same energy where mm -hmm. that's, that's why you don't have actors performing three, three times in one night. Cause you are drained. Very. I put all of my energy in interacting with chat, playing the game good enough. I mean, hell I had a six, win back to back to back to back to back matches in combat league and mortal Kombat a week and a half ago and everybody was getting hyped for that and you could feel the adrenaline pumping and it's those type of moments that you know you you love uh, you love to experience but it also makes me miss our huge events where mm -hmm. everybody's feeling those feelings in the same yeah. room including the developers and a big shout out to netherrealm studios one of the best developers i've ever worked with and we've had a lot of those moments together, Josh, at those big events, Final Combat, the reveal events, combo breakers, multiple Evos. Um, you also did a couple other world finals, the Injustice Pro Series finales, you were there. And 
that that one thing that even I took away from you when when we first met when we started working together was something Flashy had talked about. You you, you bring that human aspect to everything, and your focus was is so different from other people. Sometimes your your focus was always on putting on a good show, people watching just want a good show. They want to be involved with it, be entertained, and to understand, be a part of it. And that's something I always took away and started introducing in, in events was was just trying to think about it from a purely entertaining standpoint and of a having more of a good time versus at events like those, it can be really easy for us to get trapped into the, I need to be as professional as possible, be as as bland as a piece of toast as possible, especially if I'm on TV and we stray away from what created us in the first place, which is gaming and the nonsense nonsense that comes with it, which is the hype, the emotion, the craziness, the raising of the voice. You know, you can get really, yes. that's, that's what, that's what I did when I first got into it was, was bringing all that. And then when I got involved in a lot of the more professional aspects of, of this space, it started going down, right? I started to, 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 to behave a little bit more on social media, behave a little bit more on live streams and uh, even even of late, kind of going back to similar how you did after ESL, it's it's, it's like you get burned out of, of that and you just want to get back to having fun. And so that's what a lot of us, I feel like, have done throughout this um, pandemic is kind of get back to our roots a little bit. And it's been it's been incredible in your journey. You know, we've been talking throughout the entirety of it throughout this um, pandemic and um, getting a lot of inspiration from that. So I, I appreciate it. We go back and forth a lot uh, because it's it's almost a mirror of what I've been doing with Coliseum and what he's been doing with his stuff at home. And then there's balancing live streaming on top of that. There's balancing taking jobs with other events on top of trying to run your own events. And then you're just like, okay, it's hard to do that all. And you mentioned getting tired as a commentator. I can say it sucks when you've gone six hours straight, when you've gone 11 hours in a day, when you've gone in my peak, I was almost 40 hours a week for full commentary and um, one of the things that surprises me when people, is when people try it for the first time, Josh, and they go, wow, that was exhausting. Because it truly is. You're, you're, you're performing. You're putting your, your all into it. And it's the same with hosting. It's the same with any of those. And then on top of that, all the mental fatigue that can come with it being online and all that. You've done a great job of navigating it and carving your own path. And what looks like you've carved out a wonderful future there with Xbox. So congratulations, man. Thank you. I... I hope that this future with Xbox does blossom into where I can really stretch my wings. And somebody had asked me, what's your career tra trajectory? Well, nothing's going to change in the world of Mortal Kombat and my love for it and being involved as much as I can. Even if I'm only an audience member, I'll be there, right? But that's going to be with me forever. So I want to keep, you know, one foot there and then continue with, with Xbox and streaming and having fun with video games for sure. But I really, really, really need to take that step into writing more, especially script Ooh. writing, not just for films or television, but also for video games. Uh, voiceover, I have been doing more with my agent up here, which is great, just getting more into how do I get out of my host voice, kind of my neutral, hey everybody, welcome, Mr. Joshua Gray. How do I get back to characters? How do I use airflow? How do I tighten my muscles? How do I use this instrument so that I'm not just playing the same note all the time, right? Wow. Um, and then also filmmaking. I loved the trailers that we made for Mortal Kombat, for the Pro League. Um, the, we also did some great content with um, uh, some of our hosts for GameStop Hometown Heroes with Injustice 2. But the trailers that we made for Mortal Kombat X Pro League 
still I point to those and go, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe wow. I wrote that and worked with an amazing director and organized the whole budget and the whole shoot and stayed up till two o'clock in the morning for one of the shoots. And just things that really came together with the magic in the moment where I really miss being on set. But I hope that again, this is a hope putting it out there in the universe that these next step steps I can take either within Xbox or separate in my own production company or both is to follow the footsteps of Joseph uh, uh, Kaczynski, who directed the Gears of War trailer, that first one with the Tears for Fears uh, cover song. That's where I want to take my energy and focus and create some of those short films for Xbox titles or for the next trailer for Mortal Kombat or the next trailer for the Coliseum, you know, if the budget was there. But just to take that trailer element, you know, um, um, 60 seconds to three minutes and make some really cool stuff because this same director now directs major motion pictures. He directed Tron Legacy. He also directed Oblivion with Tom Cruise and he's also the director for the upcoming Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. And with what I've experienced with Dune, which just absolutely blew me away and inspired me in so many senses, I think, what do I want to do when I grow up? Well, I am grow up. What do I want to do? (laughs) <laughs> that I look at Dune, I look at uh, those type of, of films. And even if I can just create a one minute to three minute version of that, that I'm happy mm-hmm. with, it's kind of always in my mind of trying like, what else do I need to accomplish in my life? So if I find some doors that open to get me closer into that world uh, through context at Warner Brothers and also in animation and stuff like that, great. That's where I kind of want to put my energy out to the universe and see if something comes back. But if not, I'm still so happy and satisfied with what I'm doing with Xbox. And even when I pop up on my own channel or tune into to what Aquaman's doing. or He was a guest on another, Coliseum last season, this guy. He yeah. Was, he was hanging yeah. out with us. Yeah, shout out to Josh. All of that stuff is so much fun that not only does it bring me back to my roots, it allows me to be a performer. Mm-hmm. I, I miss acting. I miss singing. I miss dancing. Hell, I danced for an hour and a half or for an hour for Xbox, twitch.tv slash Xbox with Just Dance 2022. And I killed it. I slayed it. <laughs> uh, and I got sweaty. I got go to so much... go see that VOD after this. Oh, yeah. I had, so we have to delete the VOD because of DMCA, but don't worry. I have the VOD and I'll be releasing Ooh, some okay. stuff in my YouTube. <laughs> I got it on the demo. I got it on the demo. Um, that's why I love demo. Xbox. They're like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, the Just that overall core of who I am. I am a storyteller. And if that means I get to tell a story of uh, competitors live with Mr. Aquaman, or I get to share my story of where I came from with you, Flashy, or if I'm able to put together some different ideas, come up with a script and shoot something that tells a story, that is where I'm the happiest. And I have to walk through any door that opens for me, especially in this crazy pandemic world, and also in the digital space, to not discount it because it's not in front of a live audience, or don't discount it because I'm not going to be nominated for an Emmy, a Grammy, or an Academy Award by doing this work. I have to embrace it because it allows me to do what I feel I have been put on this earth to do, and that's tell stories well, and have a good time and, and host and entertain people. So. That's, that, that always brings me to my core, and I'll always be happy if I'm able to do that. Well, you've captivated us this entire time. and I was just about flashy, to say, man, you are a storyteller I, I had a feeling that through, that's man. exactly what you're about to say, because let me tell you, I call this man just to hear him talk. I don't even, half the time I don't even listen to Josh. <laughs> you just, just I just listen to the, the story. Yeah. I just listen yep. to the story and just get captivated. I'm like, I, I, he, he could be talking 
about mowing his lawn. And let me tell you, it's going to be a beautiful journey from start it's to end. It's going to be sensational. Whatever, whatever it's going to be. Josh, super entertaining man. Um, I think I think you covered pretty much everything, start to end, what you're thinking about doing in the future. And it makes perfect sense because like, like we just alluded to, we could sit here and be captivated by you in your storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see what you got, what you cook up next because what you've already done has been sensational. And it hits, it hits home to us, and I hope it hits, it hits home to the viewers that have enjoyed some of that content and might not even know that you were the one behind it or or in or behind the scenes in some of it you know with the pro league um hosting a lot of these major events guys he's very much ingrained into the competitive mortal Kombat community as much as anyone else so joshua gray shout outs man uh for, for everything you've done everything that you're going to do in the future um i got i do got one thing to talk about how cool sure. or how, how does it feel to be a part of one of the coolest groups in our community to have a cat named after another realm character because we have one of the coolest communities low-key josh in the world where there's a lot of us and if you're if you're one of these people watching this on youtube or on or on spotify comment down below on youtube and let us know if you have a cat named after a mortal Kombat character because i have a cat named khan he has a cat named selena and I know, I know there's about 50 others out there. We, we work with a couple of them, Crone and a few others. Josh, how's it feel to be one of the coolest people on planet Earth? It's the best. It's the best. But let me tell you, my cat sure doesn't appreciate it. Because <laughs> she's the coolest person on the Earth, it seems, how she acts. No. Selena's awesome, man. And to have a pet that's super chill, guards the house against, you know, varmints <laughs> if she needs to. But also, you know, she, she can tell if somebody's going through something or they're in some sort of different state of mind and to watch her jump into the lap of a relative stranger, which she would never do, but that stranger was having an experience. That is just such a cool thing to see in nature and to maybe feel there's some, something that clicks in our deep consciousness or the universal consciousness that, uh, you know, pets can tap into or you can feel that. So having Selena, named after Selena Kyle, also uh, reminds me, be careful what you name your pets after because they really do take on the characteristics. Like Selena is Selena Kyle, it feels. And when the new Batman trailer showed up, she perked her ears. She's like, yeah. Yeah. I know it's incredible. (laughs) That's incredible. No, it's great. I love my cat and I love love all those Netherrealm named pets. You know, Khan, this little son of a bitch, he will every time every time I'm streaming or if I'm at this setup and I get up even to walk over there for a quick second, he'll jump in jump in my chair and take my throne, which is exactly what Kotal does to Shao Kahn. You little son of a <laughs> Yeah. Every, every time I yep. get up, he's he's after the throne, man. He's going after it. You're absolutely right in that. It's the regard. namesake. It's the namesake. But if we could all live up to our names, the world would be a better place, right? Absolutely. And Josh, before we get out of here, another thing to touch on is, you know, for everyone watching at home, I, you know, I know, we all know that right now the space is kind of in a little bit of a lull when it comes to Mortal Kombat specifically or, or Netherrealm content specifically because we don't have a game, Mortal Kombat's not being worked on, no there's not a lot of events happening because of COVID. There's not a lot of money in the scene, so pros are leaving, you've got um, casuals leaving, and so it's 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 pretty dry um other than a new game which is i guess what we're all kind of waiting on um where do you feel like you know we can kind of get it back without 
what feels like dying without new content, you know, like where do you feel our community needs to go or, or what it's missing? And is it, is a lot of what we've talked about, which is, which is people that just need to not worry about the budget or the money and just do it because they, they love it. Something to that, something to that effect. Yeah. I, I think it's 50% of both. I think the 50% is people are going to do it no matter what, do it for the hobby side of it and, and to have fun. I mean, you know, if somebody can put together a $250 tournament, some people are going to show up and some people are going to watch. I mean, you just got to have some money for the winner. And what I personally do for all of my tournaments that I produce, I pay everybody ahead of time uh, so that when you show up, you're not worried about money or when you're going to get paid. And the players get paid an appearance fee as well. So if they're putting in the time, they get some money. Uh, and then the winner obviously is going to make more money. So that type of mentality, I think, can really help when the people involved and whatever you're trying to create are going to be taken care of. Um, and again, it, it, the small budget of what you can work on, maybe everybody gets 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you can put together. Think of it as what you're putting together in real life, except it's, it's, mm -hmm. digi uh, it's digitally, right? So that to me is always going to be the crucial grassroots lifeblood of any title. And with that, you'll have some peaks and valleys. When it comes to the developer, NetherRealm, um, I think what needs to happen, and this is a very difficult thing to do because NetherRealm is part of a giant silo called WB Games, right? And their mentality is we release a game every two to three years. We have a marketing budget for it. We use that marketing budget that creates the tournaments or the prize money around the tournaments. And then once that's all gone, we wait until another title comes out and we attach the marketing right. budget there. That's the old way of doing things, or one way of doing things, the AAA title way of doing things. What has happened with the advent of free-to-play games on PC and the communication you can have on PC, we're seeing better tools being available for the uh, console market, both PlayStation and Xbox, and also cross-play, baby, where people on PC can also play with people on a console. And the beautiful thing about fighting games is nobody's going to complain about keyboards and mice versus a controller, okay? It's going to be whatever your input is to get those combos in. So when you have more of that happening, and also cross-save, please, NetherRealm, it's a please. bummer every time I load up Mortal Kombat 11 on Xbox because I played mainly on PlayStation back in the day, that all those hours and, and unlocks that I put in, I have no access to unless I fire up my PlayStation account. It's like, it's 2021. We need to have cross-save, okay? And you can do it through the Warner Brothers uh, user experience, whatever you attach to it. I know it maybe add a little bit more extra work, but for those of us that bounce around different consoles, especially if I want to be on the Switch and be mobile, I prefer to have everything cross-saved. And guess what? A lot of other developers have realized that and they're doing it too. So please add that. Um, but the other, the other side of it is I think that there should be, and this is very hypothetical. I'm not privy to any information. There should just be a Mortal Kombat. And you release content every quarter, be it characters, story, uh, more additional things on the outside, more towers of time, something. So it creates this living lifeblood. I know people want to call it a life service, yeah. but make it just five years. Just have a five-year plan and go, this is what we're doing. We're not going to ha like have people have to buy a new game title. They're just going to have to buy these packs, these DLC packs to get these new characters. Free to play or, and then- Yeah, or and enjoy then, this campaign like story. of characters to start. Yeah, um, and I think, and this again is conjecture, but I'm- I'm seeing kind of all the pieces on the board here. I think this is going to be the Halo Infinite approach. Here's the multiplayer, free to play. Uh, if you want to spend some money for some things, great. We're going to add more content later. We're going to add 
more of this later, more of that later. So it doesn't feel like set marketing budget, big beat. Okay, all over with. You have the big beat, but then you also have continuous beats every quarter that the audience can gravitate towards. They get new content, and maybe there's an update when it comes to the notes. It's a different design and delivery approach. So it may have to be a complete overhaul of how they design the game. But I think the overhaul has to come with the sales, the money. How yeah. do we make the same amount of money for a AAA title if we have two AAA titles come out in a two and a half year span each, so say five years, how do we make the same amount of money if not more if we do a live service method? So I think it's, it's, it's difficult, it's a risk, but for us, the audience base, the players, the competitors, the producers, it creates a longer roadmap that we can all follow together so that we know what big dates to avoid if there's going to be, you know, patches or some sort of changeover. We got to have a couple days or a week for people to get adjusted to it. But also to know that, hey, there's still going to be stuff coming down the line. So if you want to invest or, you know, if you want to put a tournament, if you want to put together a tournament, invest a little bit of money and it turns out great, you know, the first, second year of the game, well, you know, the game's going to still be supported for the next three years where you could continue to do that. It's... It's also a console generation switch with uh, the new title that's coming out from NetherRealm. I don't know what title it's going to be, but that also creates a delay because you got to work on the new hardware and, and, and that process. So I th just think it all compounded at once, um, plus the sale <laughs> yeah. of Warner Brothers uh, to Discovery was like, a, well, is NetherRealm going to still be part of it or not? I mean, yep. that was all up in the air. So all these factors are happening at the same time. You know, you can't you can't really make any promises or continue in your contracts if all that stuff is up in the air. But once things are settled, I would hope that NetherRealm Studios would have a more uh more longitude with the support of that, their games, or at least a roadmap that we can all share and that we know what's happening so we don't feel kind of out in the cold, even though we're giving everything we have, all of our passions, all of our talents in order to make this community the best it can be. And I'll, I'll wrap up here real quick. The market's gonna tell you what it wants. And if people aren't really gravitating towards Mortal Kombat 11 and they wanna go back to MKX or Injustice 2 just for the nostalgia factor or the different systems that are in those games, this is an amazing time. I would think that NetherRealm can bring in those people, maybe they're doing it secretly and go, we understand that you didn't like some of these mechanics in Mortal Kombat 11. I love Mortal Kombat 11, it's my favorite mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat, but I'm not a, you know, I'm at a, semi-pro level, not at a pro-pro level. And if some of them like, I miss run, I don't like armor breaks, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, listen to what they have to say, but then work mm -hmm. together to design that system that's gonna make sense for the next gen. These are pipe dreams. I know this is kind of way out in the ether, but if, if there's any, if there's ever a time to shake things up and to do it differently, yeah. now is the time. Mm -hmm. Now is the time. So the I, I think Halo Infinite is going to be a benchmark. I hope it is, I really hope it is, but I hope it's gonna be a new benchmark of, we're not going to be releasing AAA titles every two to three years. We're going to do this. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how it goes. That goes hand in hand with something that I've thought has been a massive thorn in our side for such a long time. The fact that our game changes every couple of years, but mm. not unlike some other titles that do that, they drastically change the game every two years. Injustice was a little bit legacy, but with Mortal Kombat, MK9, Mortal Kombat X, Mortal Kombat 11, three completely different entities that split our competitive player base almost into three to five separate sub-communities just based on their decision to change things up so much in between titles. 
if we were to go with something that would be that would last a lot longer with with, with subtle changes, you know, constantly affecting it like League does, like Dota does, that would definitely help with some of those issues because one thing that has attributed to dwindling numbers has been the fact that, you know, the next game comes out and half the people go, ain't the previous game, it fucking sucks, I ain't playing it. And that's exactly yeah. how it goes. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny to see the the cycle of infants. <laughs> so for now, we're out there gonna say it. Here it comes, and they said it. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna grow out of it one day and just realize, oh, I mean, it's 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 the factor of the new. Oh, it's new, it's new, it's new. You know, it's it's so pristine. Mm, I can smell through the plastic. I want this. That is the hype train that really carries a lot of the sales for that AAA title, right? If you can distill that hype and give it out in a measured form every quarter and you know you're getting let's say four new fighters every quarter and i mean every goddamn fighter in mortal kombat's gonna be in this ermac yeah, <laughs> please quan chi like, like right who like, wouldn't you bring everybody in so after the first year all every single mortal kombat character is available i mean to me that creates the foundation that you can build on for the next five years for sure and add in story like the 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 mortal kombat live action film that just was released uh was not that great okay what let's, has been a lot of fun and great has has been uh yeah <laughs> has been really fun and really good and so i i look at what animation does i look at what video games do and I would love NetherRealm to just combine both and be like, hey, every quarter you get a new four-hour story. That this this story is going to focus on special forces. Uh, next quarter it's going to be the White Lotus. Next, so you have a four-hour story with those characters contained that you can purchase for you know 20, 30 bucks. And that's how you build the lifeblood continually through the game. So not just a big massive spike for the first year, then it dwindles off. It's a big spike, and then it spikes again at 75% a quarter later, and another 75% a quarter later, and maybe 65% the following quarter. But then your year comes out, boom, you sell it again altogether, and then you know some diminishing returns, but it's still big, and it creates, again, a roadmap that everybody can follow. So I really, really hope that Halo Infinite um, lands some of these concepts, because I would say to... It's more difficult to do previously in the console generation or on consoles compared to PC because PC, you just have access to so much more info and organization and Smash GG and all sorts of stuff to run tournaments. Well, with consoles, it's way easier because you can do that stuff on your phone, especially with Xbox and Microsoft owning Smash.GG, which is just one of the best systems to make it feel so fluid. So with these tools in place, maybe a different uh, approach on how to release this game. I would prefer to have just the title Mortal Kombat and release content on top of that uh, foundation for a five-year plan. But we'll see, you know, we'll see. It's Mortal Kombat is so good of an IP. It is so known and it's, it's adult, it's it's mature. It, it sells so many games that I just feel that when people walk into a room that have never played the game and couldn't tell you the difference between Scorpion and Sub-Zero, they have no business being involved whatsoever creatively or on an executive level for yeah. the Mortal Kombat IP. What you're saying is, Take the last ten minutes and put it back on the ninth floor of WB and pitch this pitch. Right <laughs> You're to him, done. Josh. Yeah, it's set. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Hey, we'll clip this. We'll send it to him on social media. But I've already had that in my mind. <laughs> there, yeah. Please we, we do because you. I, as as 
as somebody who plays a game, I bought all of my copies on Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. I paid full price, got the, all those editions. I am a dedicated fan because you have my money. Now, let me tell you how you can better set up your system so I'm gonna pay you more money, right? Like mm -hmm. that, me as a customer, I know what I want and what I like. Let me tell you what I would expect and what I think can make things better. And if they lessen, ooh, buddy! They're gonna make even more money. Um, but from a design aspect and also, you know, the burnout of, of being attached to a project for five years compared to that two year cycle, yeah. I'd love to hear a developer's thoughts. Um, and that's why I always love to listen to uh, Derek and uh, Stephanie over at NetherRealm Studios, mm -hmm. just to, you know, from that side. But wouldn't it be kind of nice if they weren't crunched for months or any d developing studio wasn't crunched yeah. for months months and then they had to keep pushing the game out keep pushing the game out and be like how about you don't announce it until you know when it's going to be done then you can announce when it's going to be out what's that announcement for that announcement is for the shareholders it's for the investors it's for the class of people that don't do anything to build the game other than send their money to an account and wait to get more money back those people should not have any creative control over what's happening in the video game space. Uh, and I feel that that's what's burned out a lot of people. 100%. 100%. And that hits the nail on the head. And I think that that's where we will find one of our wrapping points against Joshua Gray. Because I feel like we got to have you back on and just continue. Absolutely. All right, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Hope you guys learned a little bit something about him and something about this community, this space, uh, competitive NetherRealm titles. Um, as well as just competitive gaming in general and a little bit about life. So, Josh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to have Flashy completely take us home here tonight, and we're going to have you back as on we, good, sir. As we should do, Josh, mm. please let the people know where they can find you. You said Xbox five days a week. Break it all down for them before we send you out of here. You got it. Social media is TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Mr. Joshua Gray, M-R-J-O-S-H-U-A-G-R-A-Y. I'm not a doctor yet. That's why it's a mister. Uh, and for... My live streams, twitch.tv slash Mr. Joshua Gray and youtube.com slash Mr. Joshua Gray. Guess what? There's a theme. It's all the same. And I am live Monday through Friday, twitch.tv slash Xbox. That's right. Twitch.tv slash Xbox. We have a lot of fun. We showcase a variety of different games. I do play Mortal Kombat 11 on there as well. And I have a number of fun clips, especially when I get that armor break crushing blow with Katana's back forward three, that ground it's war. good. <laughs> booty everywhere yeah the booty. we uh, bump is too good it's too good yeah we had it as part of our clips for our montage of the channel and the marketing folks at xbox are like oh too mature <laughs> sorry it's like oh come on but that's cool i'll save it for my own channel but yeah catch us there and let me tell you folks halo infinite around the corner oh yeah we're gonna coming. be doing a lot with that game a lot with that game Definitely can't wait to see what you guys got cooking up over there. Joshua Gray, it was an absolute honor to have a conversation with you, man. Everything you said was absolutely awesome. Please continue to bring that human element to everything you do because there's just not enough of that going around. But to everybody watching, we appreciate you guys. We hope you learned something new today. We're going to catch you guys next Thursday for another episode of the Cast. We'll see you guys then. Peace.